welcome to another edition of the First Orange Broncos podcast. I'm Kyle Fredrickson, joined by Ryan O'Halloran. We're sitting at the Broncos facility here on a blustery Thursday morning. Ryan entering the final day of minicamp. But I think the big news and what Broncos fans want to talk about these days is the schedule because it just got released. Book your flights, get your hotels, people. We're doing the same thing. Ryan, uh, how far along are you in that process already? Not very far. (laughs) Um, I've done two things. I did Canton a long time ago, and then I booked Seattle's hotel for the preseason. But other than that, uh, I'll get to it this weekend. But we'll start off by saying this is my game-by-game prediction. Okay. Win, 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 win. Win, 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 Ooh. win, 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 and win, 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 loss when Vic rests the starters. <laughs> but oh, I always sound like joking there. <laughs> uh, hashtag road to Miami. I hope you guys understand Ryan's humor and don't think he's actually a big homer. Um, if you read his analysis, you will quickly learn that's not the case uh, on the ball in terms of figuring out what this team's going to do, where they're going. And as now that we sort of have this roadmap, Ryan, for what this team has to do to get back in the playoffs, let's just sort of take this look kind of chunk by chunk, kind of early season, mid-season, end season. Um, You know, we start with Monday Night Football, big game at Oakland. Uh, The Raiders already a favorite, which is interesting considering how poorly they uh, performed last season. Uh, And then they get a a short week heading into week two and then kind of go from there. You know, what what, what did this team face heading after that? Well, if we divide it into quarters, if you're you're Fangio, you do like road home, road home because – you're gonna to have to play eight road games no matter what. You might as well just, you know, space them out a little bit instead of last year where they started with two at home. Mm-hmm. This is the first time the Broncos open on the road uh, since 2010 um, at Jacksonville. That was Timbo uh, coming into the game there. But Oakland division road game always a tough one. Last year Christmas Eve there there, Broncos laid down. Expect a better effort this time. Then you got the Fangio Bowl. Bears were a playoff team last year. You know Vic's going to have some special tricks. It's a short week. Bears coming off a long week. So I think that's a little bit of a concern. Uh, that'll impact the practice schedule. Trip to Lambeau, play Green Bay first time there in eight years. Um, you know, that team is retooling as well. They spent a lot of money on their defense. They have a new coach in Matt LaFleur. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I don't count that as an automatic win for the Packers because Lambeau has not been a home field for them in recent years. And it should be noted, Von Miller, very pleased this was an early season game. The only request he had, play this thing early, not in the snow. I, I think we can appreciate that to, uh, to a certain extent. Yeah, you know, you know the, the, the bill is going to come due with week 15 at Kansas City, Von. Yeah. But um, then they close out the first month home against the Jaguars, so that's Nick Foles. That's Jalen Ramsey, who's an all-pro corner. Jaguars coming off a long week because they'll play the previous Thursday against Tennessee, so another you know, uh, pseudo-disadvantage there. Interesting thing about the Jaguars, last time they visited here was 2013. Of course, was covering them, and they were a 27-point underdog, which was an NFL record. And the Broncos won 35-18, 35-19, something like that. And the Jaguars put pressure on Peyton Manning. I mean, they hit him. A lot, so it was a closer game than they pulled away at the end. So, you know, think about that first quarter of the season is obviously don't go 0 4. You know, don't dig yourself a hole that you just run out of racetrack. But if you can hold serve at home, maybe upset the Bears in that respect, you can, uh, the Broncos can have some momentum going into October. 
So looking at the last five games before the bye week, Ryan, this is a team that has to go to L.A. for the last time in that converted soccer stadium. Thank goodness uh, for fans in that area. Uh, they host the Titans team that's coached by a, a new first-year head coach, uh, and then they host Kansas City uh, on a Thursday night, and that's going to be a huge game, Ryan. Yeah, and uh, you know Mike Vrabel, second-year guy for the Titans, oh, they made year, the playoffs, year. but... I point to that Tennessee-Kansas City stretch there. That's two home games in five days. That's where your season can turn. And you know, if, you, if you split, okay, whatever, but you have an advantage as the home team on a Thursday night. That's stated. The Broncos were one of the only teams last year to win on the road on a Thursday, and they won at Arizona. So, you know, if they can, if they can, get, if they can drive home from that Kansas City game in Week 7 with, you know, three and four, or four and three, then you could say, okay, they have a long week, then they play at Indianapolis, then they have the bye. So they, you know, if they can go into the bye at, you know, four and five, five and four, something like that, you know, then they can at least say, hey, you're in the race going down the home stretch. And it is a tough home stretch for this team, considering they got two road games going to Minnesota, where you figure Kirk Cousins is going to be uh, significantly improved. You'd figure from year one, considering how poorly he played, what his contract uh, is paying him. Uh, and then they got to go to Buffalo, which is another weather game. You wonder how Josh Allen is going to perform in year two. Uh, and then another uh, game where the Broncos are hosting the Chargers. I mean, Philip Rivers had that team humming last year, Ryan. Uh, is this kind of the toughest part of this yeah. schedule when, when you look at the thing on on the whole yeah I mean it's four out of five on the road um at Houston at Kansas City after that it's um you know this this team is good this team ideally in Vic Fangio's mind is built to win on the road with a defense with a run game play action veteran quarterback and it's going to be tested play the Vikings Gary Kubiak is a part of that staff uh that'll be a good storyline that week um at Buffalo the Bills made a ton of free agent signings. Not huge, huge money, but a lot of guys who can you know be productive starters. Home to the Chargers. And I look at the Chargers game, okay, if you're a Bronco fan, you say, okay, what is your best route to the playoffs? I think Kansas City is going to win the division. Okay, Broncos need L.A. to take a couple steps back, and the Broncos need a couple steps forward. That means winning that game at home. And then, then you go to Houston, um, and then you go to Kansas City. So that uh, that stretch right there, you know, if you, obviously if you're if you're the Broncos, you want to come out of Week 15. Okay, are you in position to win those last two home games to make something happen in January? We sort of took the game-by-game game look at this, but sort of let's look at it on the whole, Ryan. You know, what this schedule looks like for Vic Fangio in his first season. He gets a Week 10 bye kind of right in the heart of the deal. Is this is as good as he could have asked for? It doesn't seem like the Broncos fans uh, have a whole lot of gripe of, about to, at this point, right? I mean, there, there's not much to complain about. No, and if, if, if I'm them, the Week 10 bye is a little concerning because they are going to have the longest training camp in the league because of that Hall of Fame game, so... Not that the starters are going to play in the first or last preseason game, but they're going to be uh, grinding away for six, uh, about 15 straight weeks there. And, you know, back in 08, I'll age myself here, <laughs> I covered the Redskins, and they played in the Hall of Fame game. And they had a late bye. Those last two games before their bye, they were out of gas. They barely beat 0-16 Detroit on the road, and then they came home on a Monday night and just got handled by Pittsburgh. So... It's 
you know, I think with Fangio's experience and his staff's experience, it'd be interesting to see how he uses the padded practices, how he how he manages the uh, wear and tear on his football team. So for the diehard Broncos fans who are listening to the First and Orange, who are traveling to these away games, Ryan, uh, what among these venues is maybe your favorite? I mean, Lambeau is maybe the, the, the number one, just being the history of the building and sort of the, uh, the mystique of it all. But look at all these cities and all the places you've been to. These will be all first-time trips for a, a, you know, a second-year NFL beat writer like myself. But tell these fans you know, some of the spots they should be more excited about this well, year. Well, you know, Lambeau is a start because there's a lot – basically they wedge that stadium into a neighborhood. And so there's the mystique. It's a great atmosphere. So that's one. Uh, I've been to the Minnesota Stadium for the Final Four last week, but not for a Viking game. So that's a new one. Well, what were your thoughts? Uh, I mean, it's big. Um, there's a lot of light, natural light. So I was interested to see how loud it is for football. I like Buffalo because it's old school. It's an old stadium. You know, the fans get into it uh, if the Bills are competitive. And then um, and I like Arrowhead. You know, I don't care if I'm on the 30th story. If I can, <laughs> if, if, if my seat is between the 20s, I like it. So that's Kansas City, that's Houston, that's Indy. But if you're a Bronco fan and you had to pick one game, it would be Green Bay because they only go there once every eight years. And like Vaughn said, uh, September in Green Bay, mild typically, I would imagine. I, I'm not there. a meteorologist, but I'd take that over November. Although being in a press box and watching a snow game, little more fun than maybe being in the stands uh, and doing the same thing. Well, I covered I covered the Giants Packers NFC title game there in January of 08, so as far as last game, and that's the one where Tom Coughlin's cheeks were like cherry red because uh, it was so cold, you know, minus 20 wind chill and stuff. Um, so, but uh, it's not going to be that cold. But you know, the weather games, Kansas City could be an issue. But here, as I told people the other day. The Broncos played a home game last year against the LA Rams in the middle of October. It was like 15 degrees at kickoff. So this team practices outside, so that's not going to be an issue. The craziest thing to me looking at the home schedule, just one last point on this, is is the most excited the, this fan base should be in terms of the opponent coming to mile high. Is it the Browns this year when you look at the teams coming? I mean, w- with the free agent additions they've made and what Baker Mayfield did, it's just it's incredible to think sort of how that game is viewed this season compared to what it would have been a just a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, of the non-division teams, that's that's the one that sticks out. Plus Chicago, um, you know, Cleveland. They added Beckham. They added Olivier Vernon. They signed Sheldon Richardson. Baker Mayfield's in his second year. Freddie Kitchens, a new coach. Um, you know, they're the they're the bell of the ball right now in terms of the league. But you know, let's see what kind of shape they're in when they come here in uh, week nine. No doubt, no doubt. Well, let's just run through a couple more topics while we're here. Some newsy items. We appreciate you guys listening to the schedule portion of the first and orange. Let's shift just a little bit uh, to this mini camp, Ryan. Like I mentioned at the bat here, we're entering the final day as we're sitting here talking uh, in Dove Valley. Um, what have been some of your observations? We can't glean a whole lot from this. Players are simply learning the system at this point and, and kind of getting their ducks in a row, but we did get a talk to Joe Flacco for the first time after practicing with teammates, um, and I thought he had some uh, some at least some decent insight uh, coming from a guy who's in a pretty uh, unique situation. Yeah, I mean, it's to me it's fascinating that we're not allowed to watch the whole practice. Um, so you don't see any of the 11 on 11, and you don't see how coaches coach and what kind of tempo they want to work at. As for Flacco, he talked after uh, Tuesday's practice, 
And I think he basically said, hey, this is, this is new terrain for him. He was a Raven for uh, 11 years. You know, he had coordinator changes there, but he always had the same head coach. He always wore the same helmet, et cetera, et cetera. So I think his veteran experience is helping him be patient and also try and become a leader organically instead of trying to push things. Um, you know, as far as Vic Fangio, he also talked on Tuesday. Uh, you know, I thought he had made some good comments. I did like sort of his transparency with, regarding injuries and guys who were not participating. Bryce Callahan chiefly is a little ahead of schedule. Uh, they didn't think he was going to do anything this week, uh, but he's been doing some individual stuff. And I don't think we're going to see Emmanuel Sanders for a while. Uh, they're going to take it easy on Jake Butt. And Philip Lindsay is all in the hands of the medical team because that's a wrist injury. It's not something he can just sort of push. So, uh, But, you know, yesterday I thought Rich Gangarello, the offensive coordinator, provided some good insight in terms of why Flacco was a good fit just because he had that year in Gary Kubiak's offense with the Ravens. Um, so, but, I mean, you talked to Jawan James, the new right tackle. What was what was some of his initial impressions? Yeah, you know, here's a guy who is you know, not necessarily in the Flacco stage of his career where this is a, a huge, huge change. He's going from, you know, four or five years with the Dolphins to the Broncos. But being that he's got family ties here, uh, he went from living in a hotel to pretty quickly moving into and having a place. You know, it's, it's not true, I think, of a lot of free agents. I'm, I'm sure Kareem Jackson and Bryce Callahan, you know, aren't as settled in. So there's some familiarity there, but uh, the things James talked about was just sort of the early stages of this bonding process, going out to dinner, going bowling with these guys. Um, you know, ask him about Garrett Bowles. It's going to be a, a topic all off season. What's his, his improvement like? Uh, James really lauded his ability to, to really jump in Face, face first and take on every challenge and take coaching and being willing to learn and you know we've we've heard that from a lot of different guys I think over the past season and, and we'll see if it comes to fruition but you know for a lot of these free agents I think that's really what maybe this time is most important right they got the new uniform they got a new team let's sort of get on the same page head into the off season where everyone sort of knows their place and knows their role uh, and can move ahead because James is going to be a huge linchpin in all this and uh, it'll be something that I'll be writing about uh, coming up here uh, in the Denver Post. I'll be checking out that as well. But for you, Ryan, just kind of maybe one last note as we move ahead. Uh, the draft's a week away. Uh, we'll spend some more time talking about it, but uh, any more insights as we get closer uh, to the Broncos with that number 10 pick? Any uh, chance they might move from the pick? Maybe we start the conversation there. Um, I think I, I, I Elway would want to move down to see if he can pick up an extra second or an extra third, maybe both. The question for John is how far is he willing to move down? Um, you know, does, if he's sitting at ten, does he sort of have a have a floor in mind, sixteen, seventeen, that kind of thing? Let's say he stays put at ten. Uh, they brought in they brought in some quarterbacks. They've talked to some linebackers. Uh, you know, if Dwayne Haskins is there at ten, does he pull the trigger? I would. Um, so would Von Miller? We learned as well. Well, maybe Let's say he he likes he, him. Right? He hedged that. Uh, some people who weren't even at the press conference ran with that. Ooh, drone shots. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to start doing that a little more around here because <laughs> places start to tick me off. A- but, accountability. Um, but if he moves down, is it for a tight end? If Hawkinson is not there, if he goes to Jacksonville at seven or Detroit at nine. Does he go with Devin Bush? Does he like Devin Bush more than Devin White if both are there? So there's a lot of moving parts because really at 10, you're sort of in that no man's land from our perspective that 
if you, let's say they're drafting five last year with Chubb, you sort of it could sort of narrow it down a little bit. Now there's a lot more unknown variables, but we'll uh, it'll come to fruition a week from tonight. And last year Chubb sort of fell to them at five at 10 is it a little more difficult to have a guy just fall to you just being there's more teams picking ahead is it that simple yeah and and, and the possibility of trades you know this is the plus here's why it's a different one this isn't you know this is not last year's quarterback heavy draft so you're probably not going to have three four teams leapfrogging over you to get their quarterback you know a team may say well, we, we don't love Drew Locke or Daniel Jones, but we, we like him enough to stay put and pick him. Okay, well, that probably leaves you with not a lot of trade partners at 10. So, you know, the further you move down, the less clarity uh, there is about who's going to be there. But these general managers, by the time lunchtime next Thursday rolls around, they'll have a pretty good, they'll have a pretty good idea what's going on, and they'll be able to, you know, have three or four scenarios where if they turn one of those cards in, they'll feel good about that guy. Well, we'll have tons more NFL Draft preview coverage coming your guys' way soon. Uh, We expect to hear from John Elway early next week uh, to sort of uh, discuss a variety of topics, what the Broncos possibly could do at number 10, uh, a whole lot to break down in that discussion. So on that note, I will sign off for Ryan, and we appreciate all his insight on the schedule and how the Broncos have been doing through a few days here of training camp. Uh, And appreciate you guys for listening in. You can subscribe to the podcast um, anywhere that you get your music. Uh, Be sure to also subscribe to the Denver Post for about eight bucks a month. Uh, You can get the Sunday paper delivered and all our digital content. Uh, Be sure to check in next time.